0: Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Good to have your company as we once again prepare to wade into corners of the game where others seldom tread. My name is Rod Morrie and as regular listeners know, we like to talk about big picture stuff here at Good Good, and that's often about the game and its place in broader society. On our most recent episode, we heard from Blind Shots podcast host Dave Hill about the symposium on municipal golf that was really recently held in the US. There were some intriguing ideas that came out of that, however... Closer to home, there's a real-life scenario unfolding in Victoria which could well set the tone and possibly a blueprint for how public golf might start to look in Australia in years to come. In a moment, we'll be joined by Bill Jennings from the Northcote Community and Golf Hub to hear about their vision for Melbourne course whose fate will be decided by the local council probably in the early part of next year. Before we meet Bill, though, let me introduce my co-host, Adrian Logue. Logue a lot to like about what Gil- Bill's group are proposing. I would think that if they're smart, there'd be a lot of public golf co- operators around Australia watching these proceedings carefully. This really could be an important moment for the game. Going forward, insert your own air quotes, since we're not a visual medium. Okay, I got the air quotes. Uh,
1: yeah, I think one of the topics we're going to discuss today is how... Golf can uh, preempt these sorts of actions against it, and not be on the defensive when uh, it's under attack. Uh, and that there's there's a great model that Northcote is coming up with here to demonstrate how public golf can be shared with the community, and and that can ward off challenges before it even occurs because one thing we know for sure is this stuff
0: doesn't happen to private courses do, does it no so. no it doesn't we'll talk yeah, about which we'll that get into that again. and just a tick from you for the northcote community and golf hub website because you as a web sort of person you, you you like it you like what they've done with the site which is more important than people might realize
1: i well, not can't comment on the you know technology or anything the designs you know Better than I think you would ever expect for uh, exactly. like a, a website that's been put together like that. But the the copywriting on it's excellent. Exactly. Um, it, it's got some excellent copy. It's very well written. I don't know if Bill had anything to do with that. But uh, it's very good communications
0: piece. Yes, it is indeed. So congrats on that. Enough from us. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. And to help us do that, we're joined by Northcote Community and Golf Hub CEO Bill Jennings. Bill, I know I've just given you a promotion that's not real,
2: Spokesperson. Uh, Spokesperson. I figure you deserve
0: (laughs) it because you've been working very hard. Thanks for taking some time. We really appreciate it. This is stuff we've talked about on this show for a long time, public golf, its place in the broader community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Northcote's a really interesting case study, a perfect storm of circumstances erupted sort of in 2020 that has brought this to the fore. And while we're far from having a resolution to how this golf course might look and fit into the community differently to what it used to, give us a quick thumbnail sketch of what kind of brought this to a head in terms of Northcote specifically, because it's all COVID
2: related, as is everything in this day and age. So thanks, Rod. Uh, CEO, not. uh, Spokesperson, (laughs) yes. and, And a local resident, and that's important. It is. I live in West Preston, only a few blocks from the Northcote public golf course. And in late 2020, when the Darabin Council elections, so Darabin is the municipality in which the Northcote public golf course has been, for almost the last 60 years, um, it uh, was uh, suddenly in the, in the centre of local council election issues, with one councillor particularly uh, prosecuting a vision for um, how it might become, uh, in his terms, shared use. But equally, uh, it it we we sense all the way along that um, there's been a strong discussion around wanting to basically turn Northcote Public Golf Course into parkland. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how did that happen? Uh, you you do talk about the perfect storm. We we've, uh, we've had a pandemic the last uh, twenty months. If you hadn't noticed, Rod, oh, we haven't had it there <laughs> in Sydney.
0: You've been very <laughs> unlucky down there, actually. Yes, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, we've had two long lockdowns in Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing was that at that time, and, and our group have been very clear about the fact that we hold no ill will towards the folk who went there and and exercised or had a picnic or recreated uh, there at the Northcote Public Golf Course when golf couldn't be played. Uh, and, and we were very grateful to the people who didn't disturb the greens and the bunkers and those sorts of things. And, in fact, this year there was a, a great a greater awareness when the lockdown happened for those who did recreate when we couldn't play golf there. Uh, and so what evolved out of that was some people saying, uh, I, pretty much, we'd like to have this as a park. Um, and so our group formed as local residents, and it's important for me to point out I'm not a member of the Northcote Golf Club or the Normanby Park Golf Club. Do you play which there? Are the t- Bill, I do play there. Golfer? I yep. play there regularly. And my son... Uh, uh, got lessons there. He's 25 now. He got lessons from a fellow named Luke Isaacs when uh, Jack was about, you know, 12 or 13. Luke Isaacs is a Noongar man from southwest Western Australia um, and a PGA professional. And what a great teacher he was um, down there at Northcote. And and so I was just down there last Saturday, and there are heaps of young families with their kids getting uh, lessons from the uh, community, Gulf Australia Community Instructor Claire Trail. Um, and so, what's happened? We've we've now got we've now got two years of a really long lockdown where people use Northcote as overspill space because parklands were the only place we could go to. We could only go outside. And what happened each year is exactly the same thing. When golf came back, it came back in huge numbers of participation, and park usage reduced back to. Um, You know, very small numbers because, you know, this is the inner city of Melbourne. There are cool cafes and bars that people went back into. And then once the, you know, the Ring of Steel dropped last year and the 5K limit, people were going back to the beach and all those sorts of things. So, effectively, it was a phenomenon during COVID, um, but that then became the catalyst for people saying, oh, we don't have enough park space when... The very strategy, open space, breathing space that Darabin have put out as one of the arguments for this um, consultation uh, identifies that area of Darabin as the most park-rich part of the municipality. So another 24 hectares would um, would be overkill. And the big question we're also asking is how would you pay for that? Yeah, well, there's a,
0: there's a bunch of interesting stuff to unpack, unpack about all of that. So stepping back from the specifics of the case. So, so essentially what happened for people who might have missed it, you couldn't play golf. Some locals cut a hole in the fence into Northcote Golf Course, wandered in yeah. there and said, Oh, wow, this there, is much nicer grass. A you, know, didn't <laughs> need a strong you need a stronger fence. You need a stronger fence. This is much nicer grass than what we get at the local park. We didn't know this was in here. This is amazing. We should be able to come in here and use it whenever we wanted. So, now, of course, you've got this tension between golfers who've obviously accessed the space for a whole bunch of time and what's going to happen. In the big picture, Bill, this is not uncommon. This is going on globally and particularly, obviously, in urban areas where space and open space is an issue. So there's a bunch of stuff at play there. One might question. In Sydney here, we have a similar issue with Park, a huge public golf facility, which is busy from dawn till dusk and has been, even when golf was struggling for numbers sort of eight to 10 years ago, uh, has always been busy. This notion that we need more green space because we've got all this development. Well, there's a chicken and egg argument there about, well, if you're doing the development, how come you're not allowing for the green space as you go? It's a bit unfair to do all the development and go, hang on, we haven't got enough green space. There's a golf course there. Let's take that. There's a couple of things at bill Within golf, I feel we have some issues with some golfers who don't want to share space. Outside of golf, you've got – and let's, let's call them a, a fringe element who, who will never change that view. Outside of the game, you've got a fringe group who just don't like golf and would be happier if it disappeared from society completely, and they're never going to change those views. All of those people in the middle, which is where you are, this notion of sharing yes. the space, which I think is hugely important. Um, all of those people in the middle. What sorts of reactions do you get from people on the non-golf side, those who don't play golf, when you talk to them about this
2: issue? Uh, that's a really good question, and I think the thing is, yeah, I, I just pick up on your point there, Rod. That uh, yeah, we the only people we're not going to please are the people at the both extremes, exactly, either side of the argument. So we know that it's time for change in terms of how mixed usage um, and the golf course becomes more community facing. So for someone who just wants it to stay the same, we we we're saying to those folk with respect to golfers, can't no, we you. can't we can't bring you with us. We'd ask you to come with us, mm-hmm. um, and then for the folk who want to turn it into a park, well, that's completely counter to the current investigation that the council are making about shared usage because that become single usage. So right in the middle, we are the Northcote community and golf hub. We are a group of local residents who have uh, just worked really hard to build a vision, and we would put to the community, we reckon it's the most comprehensive vision. We've also delivered across the last year uh, somewhere in the region, if you count the four letterbox drops, close to over 80,000 leaflets into households around around the city of Darabin. And, as, and the last uh, couple of leaflets in this campaign, uh, we've had maybe 30, 35, 40 uh, foot soldiers out there just um, uh, delivering. And as they meet people in their front gardens, the interesting thing is that nobody is saying uh, that they want a park per se. There might be the occasional person who doesn't hold a view. But most people are surprised and perhaps not even aware of the issue that the golf course is under threat. Um, and so like in answering your question, we got a letter, um, we, for our first letterbox drop last year, a woman named Janine wrote to me, uh, with a little email we put there and she just said, look, I don't play golf, but I, I live very close to the golf course and I, 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 I'm happy for you, for golfers to keep playing there, but, um, I'm a long way from high street, uh, up on the Northcote side and say Ligon street down on the Brunswick Coburg side. Um, it'd be great to be able to go and have a decent coffee down there or a cheeky Friday night drink. And so that gave us the spark to go, let's make the centrepiece of this vision a community hub. Mm -hmm. And so we've come up with a solution to make Northcote Public Golf Course more community-facing, which it needs to be, and golf needs to tell its story better, particularly public golf. We've also got some people that are very passionate about the environment in our group. Now, that would not fit the stereotype of uh, what a golfer might appear to in society. And I think we're, we're telling that story really well. And uh, we've also got, I guess, a solution for the rate payer uh, because one of the things that is a massive question here is, how much does it cost to repurpose a golf course into a park? Because the green fees are actually paying mm. for that beautiful setting that people enjoyed during the picnics last year. So we've got a vision where we're saying, that all it's 24 hectares and the golf the golf uses about 14 hectares there are significant spaces there where you could create a community garden picnic grounds what have you but we could also we could also improve the pro shop and the current clubhouse to be a state of the art environmentally friendly 21st century facility which would have views of the city if it was two stories and we also have Research the fact that in the city of Darabant, there are a heap of local clubs, say like a Scrabble Club or a cultural group, who don't have a permanent home. They could come and meet at the hub to have their meetings. And so this would be multi use, not just for golfers, but for everyone in the community enjoying a facility. Uh, where golf can continue to happen, but it is a genuinely shared space. Exactly right. I love the sound of that. Bill, just- I've
1: got a trademarked concept called Tea Party, which offends our US listeners. <laughs> boom boom. <laughs>
0: Actually,
1: boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, Adrian but- gets the first dad joke of the day. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well, no, it, it's, it's I, you know I think it's a serious concept. I do too. You've got flat areas. The tees at golf courses are generally quite flat. They're often quite shaded, especially towards the back of the tee. They're safe. They're very safe. Like Balls don't sort of get hit in the direction of the tee, particularly towards the back of the tee. And they're often close to boundary fences where you can have little entrances. You could rent out tees. And what better place to have a picnic than where you've got you know, golfers coming through every every six or seven minutes to entertain you.
0: Built in entertainment.
2: What do you yeah, reckon? Built in. It's entertainment. an
0: intriguing. It's funny. It sounds like a joke, but it's an intriguing idea, which I reckon has got legs, just quite.
2: Well, it goes to the very thing that we noticed last last year. There are spaces, and and um, and I think some of the uh, master plans for Marrickville, as we know, um, uh, up there in Sydney, uh, is the cases that that you know there there's some of the things that I think we're seeing in terms of how that might be shared. I've, I've, I've got a lawsuit
1: that. against them, actually, for yeah. my uh, infringing on my tea party <laughs> trademarked idea.
2: No. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but I think that's a great idea. And, I mean, you, you only have to look at the second tee at Northcote along uh par four that runs along the Merry Creek with the Brunswick Velodrome on the other side. There you often hear the cyclists having their races on a Saturday morning. Um, it's a long tee where you are spot on, Adrian. You could definitely have. Um, a space set up there where people could use that. And, and and this is the lovely thing about the dialogue that we've had with the community is um, if people went with the concept of the hub where it's not shared time but it's it's the space, the significant space going around the gulf, uh, then we could be incredibly creative uh, with a way that the community could actually just be enjoying this. And it, it's kind of like the bowls club feel. You know, there's a lot of people who go to bowls clubs now who enjoy watching The drama of a game outside might never roll, you know. I mean, a lot of them might come and try too with barefoot balls and those sorts of things. And this is the thing where we think folk might come along and go, you know what, I might have a crack at the game as well. Yeah, there's certainly some benefits for golfing
0: there. It does point to, doesn't it, Bill? And you mentioned the word there, creativity. The one one of the things that golf has really got wrong outside of Scotland is not creatively integrating itself into the fabric of communities and societies. There is a majority of people in the world for whom golf happens over there by others. Their exposure to the game is what they've seen on television. When Adam Scott wins the Masters, they see it on the news. They see that Tiger Woods is hugely rich and has had a scandal about his personal life. That's all they know of the game and the spaces that it's played on. And there's a real sort of tragedy in there. In Scotland, we know they get it right, where the golf courses are in the middle of communities and villages and towns and everybody who lives there grows up with golf just being a part of the town you don't have this animosity that golf has engendered outside the game and we just don't do enough to overcome that this community hub idea can do that if you allow people into the space and to appreciate that the space isn't just for golf it's fantastic which leads to a very interesting question what do you do about safety bill it's obviously the first thing that you think of non-golfers wandering around golf courses somebody's going to get hit
2: so, I mean, I think that's, you know, an important question and uh, Northcote's not too different. It's it's uh, the fences and everything are up because there are residences that border the course. So there's a retirement village there and uh, some local houses and some townhouses that have been built on uh, up near the Fifth Green. So there is that element where there are people living right next to the golf course, right alongside it. Um, and we have built, you know, a couple – well, one map particularly of a pathway that could go through from um, – so, so Northcote Public Golf Course is situated on the Merry Creek, uh, and uh, a new bridge was built uh, in recent years that go, that goes across to the uh, Brunswick side of uh, the Merry Creek, and over there is a, a place called Ceres Environment Park, and you could – if we had the hub built – you could build a pathway that goes around the back of the golf and takes you to the community hub. It would be brilliant. Now, in in terms of safety, uh, there's a there's a course called Royal Park, which is surrounded by parkland. Um, uh, Yarra Bend Park is surrounded by parkland, and, and so for golf courses that are surrounded by parkland um, in Melbourne, golfers are used to the fact that there will be pedestrians going through there. So. Our sense is, yep, uh Oc health and safety has to be looked at by council, but really it would logically come down to things like signage. And it's a bit like when you change a stop sign in a street, you know, to go run the other way or something like that. Ultimately, you put lots and lots of signage up in the early days so people can develop the muscle memory to go, oh, I'm a pedestrian. I need to watch out for golfers. There's a sign for the golfers going, watch out for walkers and cyclists. And 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 these are things that. Um, over time, could simply be worked out, and it goes again to Adrian's idea: where are all the spaces behind and around the yeah, golf, right. mm. and quite significant spaces that people could use, and how do we get them safely there? And and we, you know, I'm not a landscape architect or anything, but we've drawn a pathway that we reckon would be safe. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, it's interesting. The we had a game, or actually, you you came but didn't play it at Massey Park last week, and the best. The the most interesting part of Massey Park from a walker's point of view is along the waterfront there, and there's a great path that goes along there. And actually, it's not really uh, – there, there's some fences that that give it a little bit of extra safety, but it's not a very dangerous place to walk at all, and it's the best place. Um, and similarly at Marrickville, which I think is a fantastic example of this stuff done right, uh, the the pathways along the the river there – um, are the most interesting places to walk. It, it, there can be really no complaints about that. That the, that's the golf isn't there. It's not next to yeah. the next to the water. It's it's just away from it a little bit, and uh, you can you, know, you get the best of both with the, the shared space there. It, yeah. it happens at one of our one of Australia's greatest courses, New South Wales Golf Club, has a public path that there. goes through the most famous holes on that very yeah. famous golf course.
0: Um, so you know, it can be it can be done. We can go to the moon. We can share space in uh, on a golf course carpet without necessarily people uh, people getting hurt. Uh, apart from the sharing of the space, and obviously there's a there's there's just such a raft of issues that golf needs to overcome outside of golf <laughs> these things to have the impact. What are some of the ideas? I've had a look at the Northcote Hub. Have you got the website up at the moment? There's, there's a bunch we'll be in the show of show notes. I think yeah, we'll be in the show notes. People can read it. along. as Well, I might even link to it myself and have yeah. a look, have another look. Talk us through some of the ideas outside of just this sort of shared space idea of what some of the positive impacts of uh, your plan might be. There are some environmental benefits, aren't there?
2: Yes. So there's an environment plan, and I do want to acknowledge uh, Tim Holdsworth, who's a a local from uh, Northcote, who has been a a really significant contributor, um, uh, reads council documents for fun. Um, and he has just uh been amazing in terms of his passion for an environmental plan so one of the things one of the things that um i might supply to you guys is our. Uh, we can give you a pdf of our eight page flyer that we've delivered into homes just back a bit and, on that mic, Tom. back, Sorry and the, back here. yep and there's stories there's stories um in there and it includes a story of tim during the lockdown uh his he runs a, a business and uh it was a retail business and so you know it's it's back and running now but he used his exercise time to go into the Bracken Creek, which is the old um, Preston drain that runs through the golf course down to the Merry Creek, and the litter trap was busted. You know, it wasn't working. Um, and so he, he took it upon himself to go and collect literally hundreds of bags of these massive garbage bags of rubbish um, and uh, just uh, started to lobby Melbourne Water, the Darabin City Council, um, and and to, and just uh, effectively got change where the litter trap was fixed because after his efforts to go and clean up the creek, uh, one big sort of uh, rainstorm came and. And all the rubbish came back in yeah. because the litter trap wasn't working effectively.
1: There's, a, now, there's some wh- great names for built, waterways. By the way, Bill. The Preston Preston, Preston Drain, Drain.
2: Yeah, fantastic. And, uh,
0: Bracken Creek. We could adopt that. <laughs> the holes could adopt <laughs> these names on the golf course.
2: oh uh, yeah. Well, actually, we've we've um we've done some consultations <laughs> with the first people, the Warren Jerry people, and Auntie Julianne Axford came out just before. We were, we were really fortunate to meet with her. Where we just wanted to say, are we asking the right questions here? And, and one of the ideas we have, and the appropriate thing is ultimately to ask the Warren Jerry, could you give us some ideas for some names? But only Julianne said, oh, you, you're going about this the right way. And it's just that idea with Augusta that has names. What if there were some local Woiwurrung language words for the names of flora and fauna and, and different things, a name for each a whole, a name for the hub? But, you know, so, so they're things that have been part of the vision that mightn't even be on the website as such. But um, in our vision for the environment, and we met with the Friends of Mary Creek, uh, uh, Professor uh, Nick Williams is, is the president and a really respected uh, uh, academic on the biodiversity, the higher biodiversity values of golf courses. And so we're walking with Tim in that meeting. And Tim says, this is where we would put the wetland to filter out the pollutants before they go into the Merry Creek. And, and and Nick sort of sat there and said, gee, I didn't think about that, that particular design. So it's not a, it's a, it's it sort of goes against the stereotype that golfers are passionate about the environment. And um, and so there's this huge potential. It's already uh, golf is a great bedfellow to the environment because there's a, um, there's a, there's a stand of, there's a, a little mob of swamp wallabies that uh, go through that corridor along the creek. Um, but the Friends of Mary Creek have got a 30-year or so history of helping to revegetate local waterways, and particularly the Mary Creek, um, with original Indigenous grasses and those sorts of things. So the community projects to improve the environment even more Mm-hmm. And and actually have those projects subsidised by a management contract that embraces the vision of the hub. So the thing is, if you know, if we got a proper twenty year lease, we could achieve all of these things where community are coming in, members of the club come to planting days, this sort of thing. So it's already very richly biodiverse, but we think we could make it even better, which would be great for the planet, but it also improve the golf experience and importantly it's um it's it's
0: not what you get if you turn the place into a park we'll come to elstonwick in a moment you can give oh, us some details oh, yeah. about elstonwick about what, what 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 what's happened there there's a generational shift within golf don't you think log I have played golf with a lot of blokes a bit older than me. There are people older than me in the world. Not many of them, but there are a few. And the environment is of no concern to them. They grew up in an era where you know you dig coal out of the ground and you burn it. It's fine. Climate change is a hoax. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. Generationally, I think most people who play golf these days do actually have an interest in the environment, don't they? And this is going to be important for these issues moving forward, isn't it? That's that's certainly my sense. That younger golfers are You're not just a golfer, and that's it.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I think golfers are initially. Golfers are definitely attracted to lush, juicy, green-looking fairways.
0: Too attracted in many cases.
1: Yeah. And and uh, there's a uh, tension there, I think, in every golfer's soul that they, you know, you can't- This it's, can't be right. It's, you can't argue. <laughs> That's a, I've got a great lie. This, yeah. this is beautiful. It's a great place to be. Uh, you know, look at those stripes on the fairway. I know you find that offensive. Um, but at the same time, I think the, the generational change is when you make those golfers aware that- you know, that's not very sustainable. And and you can actually get a bit better golf if you use a little less water, keep the plant healthy, but uh, use a little less water, particularly off away from the playing surfaces in the rough. Uh, I, was, I was listening to the Golfing Greenkeepers podcast the other day. It's funny. The best golf courses always do this the best. They do indeed. And the Golfing Greenkeeper had um, that Steve Smith, uh, which I recommend giving a listen to. We put a link to and that in the show, the show notes. notes yeah, he had the uh, superintendent from Royal Adelaide on. Royal Adelaide hasn't watered its rough in over ten years. Wow, it hasn't cut the rough in over ten years wow. because it just it dries out and gets wispy, and then it gets it thickens up a little bit when it starts growing, and then it gets wispy again when it stops growing. And it's a great, it's actually pretty good hazard. Uh, and all of their sprinklers are you know, pointed in towards the playing surfaces, and they don't. I was interested to find out, and you, you were. I remember you speaking to me from the Women's Australian Open down there, how impressed you were uh, at the quality of the fairways, the grasses there are just a, a mishmash of various coochers. They're,
0: Native sort of. It's
1: just whatever was there, the fairway grass. Yeah. And it's some of the best presented fairways in Australia, in the world. Um, and it's funny how the best golf courses do this great. And the the courses that aspire to attract members through showing off lush fairways think that they've got to start throwing water into the rough and start laying turf down and, you know, uh, making it into this monoculture. There's whereas a,
0: There's an authenticity there, isn't there? Uh, Bill, you're probably not a golf course architecture nerd. We are. And we get okay. trapped We get trapped in these discussions about, you know, golf courses and designs and, you know, interesting holes and strategies and the ball goes too far and all that sort of stuff. And I think Logue makes an important point there, and this seems to have happened with golf a lot. Are you what we might call a casual golfer? A regular but casual?
2: Yeah, I play probably more than average. Yeah. Uh, my, my son would play, you know, four or five times a week at Northcote. Wow. Uh, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll play probably once a week.
0: Yep, Yeah. So all of these issues that we're talking about here, uh, a lot of these, like, as what Logue says, you know, the, the mistakes that golf makers to try to replicate what's happening naturally at Royal Adelaide. Royal Melbourne's another fabulous example. Metropolitan, you often talk about, Logos, just the, the beautiful way the fairways just merge off into- just
1: break up into, into, into whatever whatever, sandy
0: waste, yeah. Belongs mm. there. We get those sorts of things wrong. So it, it, it's funny how from within golf we make these mistakes as well, which then creates these image problems outside of golf too. Mm-hmm. Have we yet had the Nirvana bill of- a group of golfers and a group of non golfers sitting down and brainstorming a bunch of stuff and ideas and coming up with solutions together that work for both. There's, a, there's always a feeling these things are, are tense and combative. Does it need to be that way? And what's been the experience of of what you, the discussions you've had with those from the, let's call them non golfers, even though that sounds like a pejorative term, I don't mean it that way.
2: Well, I think the, the the big thing that we had to first communicate in the early parts of um, this journey last year and, and I think I think very quickly what started to happen locally which might be a surprise to the folk who just want the golf course to be repurposed into a park is that we just were able to share with people this is a public golf course yeah this is actually a public golf course so um and and it's really interesting you know so so those stereotypes of um, rich folk who play the game are uh, are very useful if you're wanting to prosecute an argument to turn it into a park, but you you'd be kicking off people who can't afford to play at a private course, and so I think we had a community meeting on Monday night at the Aboriginal Advancement League, um, in uh, Thornbury, uh, and that's that was started by Sir Doug Nichols, who um, is now the person who the AFL Indigenous Round is named after, Pastor Doug Nichols, and we've we've um we have. Uh, been honoured by a local uh, elder, not Warren Jerry. Importantly, he made that distinction the other night. He thanked Darnie Julianne for the welcome to country. A guy named Uncle Phil Cooper, he played his first game of golf at Northcote. Uh, Uncle Phil invited me to the first game of their footy club, the Fitzroy Stars women's match last year, which was such a lovely sporting event to be part of. He kept introducing me to members of the Advancement League a guy named Lionel came up and he said, "Oh, they're trying to close down Northcote. I played my first game there. Lee, who did the sound for us the other night, played his first game there. And so, and then there's also um, there's a group called the Fairway Birdies, who are a group of women who want to be able to connect and play the game with other women, and they are doing their lessons there with Helen, who I think is the oldest person to become a PGA professional. She's their teacher." not just a GA community instructor, she's a PGA, PGA pro, pro yeah. is there teaching them. And so, and then just lastly, a couple of weeks ago, I was down there and a fellow named Chandra, in his 70s, I think, uh, born in Kuala Lumpur, Indian background, comes down to Northcote and plays about three times a week. And occasionally his grandson, who sort of caught the bug, will have a game with him. And and Northcote facilitates that That like like the community is there and a diverse community is there and our commitment is to make it even more diverse uh, than it already is but we we the first thing that we got through on was oh it's a public golf course and once we did that most of the community have come with us. Yeah,
0: it's your golf course as much as it is ours for want of a Absolutely, better
2: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, indeed. And it's such a disingenuous argument. That, you know, this space should be for the many, not the few. Th- these are the arguments we see. And, and it's deliberate mm. misinformation and it's dangerous. And you know, well, the Venn diagram of what Clover Moore and I think about the world would probably be overlapping in many ways. But that offends me greatly because it's an unfair thing and it's an unnecessary thing to do. It's a reasonable debate to have whether the space should be used for things other than golf. But it's not reasonable to to fill that debate with misinformation
2: mm. and to demonise uh, human beings who are indigenous, mm. who are migrants, who are older women. Yeah, uh, and you know we met um, uh, one of the people who's befriended us and is has just blown us away with her her knowledge of. She she helped us to understand that if you took the golf course away, that would be discriminating against older mm. women. A, a woman named Shiloh Curtis, yep, play, uh, pioneer of AFL. Uh, women's um, didn't get to play at the top level because she was one of those kids trying to keep playing in the next boy underage boys team until she wasn't allowed to play. Uh, three knee reconstructions, still got um, lives in Coburg, uh, and I've got a, I've got a YouTube clip that I can send you of her story. But she she talks about the fact that if you take golf away as women get older, their options for sport. Um, become lower and lower and it's probably lawn bowls and golf that are the competitive elements and she said she wants to keep playing sport like it's it's really interesting because I think for the people who might be described as our opponents they've had to actually demonize people that are, are not you know pale male and stale and and, and the thing is golf's got to tell a story better and golf's got to uh, join on to this great phenomenon of girls and women being able to play any sport they want. Uh, and, but you take Northcote away, that doesn't happen.
0: Crack cocaine for old white guys, that line, is just such a, a disgrace. It, and and Bill, well, So where did Charlie get a third knee? How do you have three <laughs> knee reconstructions? <laughs> that's very impressive, isn't it? Yeah. Times, the same knee a
2: couple of times.
0: <laughs> a-
1: and, and Bill, an important part of this is to make the golf better, right? And we, You talked yep. before about some um, sustainable and environmental practices that will make the experience of playing golf at Northcote better. But what about the actual? Let's talk about the golf course architecture and you know actually making the experience of the golf course uh, a little bit more interesting and engaging.
2: Well, I think that um, you know pretty much the footprint that is there is fine, uh, and that's you know I'm not as you uh, have clearly identified. I'm not a golf course architect, but uh, but the the experiences of the golf would be such that uh, with with a little bit of love. Given. So the, go- the golf course has probably almost been set up to fail. Like the contract has been one that I would say, you know, needs to be revised and have some vision put into it. Doesn't and, encourage
0: and- investment, doesn't encourage a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff that a business yeah. should normally have as but,
2: as drivers. But as much as um, COVID created a, a huge spike in picnickers, COVID also created a very interesting phenomenon. So let me just give you some numbers Last year, um, it was something in the region of 131 days of lockdown in Melbourne, uh, and 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 the the people who are arguing the golf course needs to be shut are talking about some numbers that happened about 2013 to 19. Last year, for the record of the last eight years, even with a third of the year no golf, 21 and a half thousand games um, in December. Twenty by, by December this year, 22,500 and games played. Four thousand games played in October, um, and so people are back with a vengeance. Even though um, the pure golfer, like it's a great course for beginners, but for the people that go there to play competitively, there could be improvements. The the second hole has kind of got cracks all the way through it, and it's I find it a bit frustrating to get to the to get to the fairway with my drive. Like it's it's you have to you know really pull out the the screws to get there. If you improve the environment and what you were saying, Adrian, there before about the way you don't water the rough and all that kind of thing, there's an argument from the group that want to turn it into a park about rewilding it. That, that would be hugely expensive. And I think you mentioned Elstonwick before. Yes, that's right. I was going to come to that. Um, what happens yeah, when you
0: close uh, a public golf course is the question. And we know the answer because Elstonwick was a public golf course also in Melbourne, which was closed, I think, about two or three years ago. What does it look like now, Bill?
2: Well, it's barren and uh, and and really brown and a, a bit of a wasteland. And it's interesting because people have fallen in love with the green space at Northcote. It def- the, the best solution economically to rewild it, is that golf continues and good quality golf continues there, which naturally will happen if the golf course becomes more attractive, more environmentally friendly than it, than it already is, but it could be better. Um, Elstonwick's extraordinary because I went for a walk around there um, oh, maybe late last year, early this year. Uh, there are signs up there from Bayside Council. The first thing is it's a 10 year project. Our best understanding for a space that is about half the size of Northcote. To get it to be an environment park, it's going to be at least $10 million, and then the annual maintenance fee is probably going to be half a million dollars at least. And there are signs up there saying Bayside Council is currently considering uh, disallowing dogs to come through here because too many people are taking their dog off a leash. Mm. And the thing is that people during lockdown um, Uh, The picnickers brought their dogs and there were signs saying, please leave your dog on a leash. That's for a really important reason. A friend of a friend was sitting on the second hole picnicking and did a double take and said, what are those three dogs chasing? It was a wallaby down the second hole. Local residents said that when the lockdown was on, because uh, birds smell dog scat and that sort of thing, that they reckon the bird life dropped by about 80%. And if you go to Elstonwick now, it's going to take a really long time for the people of Bayside to enjoy that as a park, and the people who want to walk their dog off-leash in there, they're not going to be happy.
0: No, indeed. That, that's a, it's an interesting one. And, and uh, the chap you mentioned before, the academic, did a publicly released study, did he not, that in fact, in terms of biodiversity, golf courses are a much better model than public parks. And he made the case very compellingly as to, as to why that was the, the case.
2: Professor Nick Williams, who's the president of the Friends of Mary Creek. Yeah. And, you know, Tim uh, Holdsworth and myself are both members of the Friends of Mary Creek. I, I was part of a campaign with them 20 years ago to um, uh, protect some remnant grasslands and the growling grass frog down on an extension of the Hume Highway, the Craigieburn Bypass, that basically we got a win in the end because they, they wanted to run the road right over the top of the creek. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, he's uh, in our eight-page flyer, which I'll send to you. Um, we've got a QR code into the into that article in the Conversationalist, yes, where he he wrote with some colleagues with I think in a university in Sydney, uh, and he's from the University of Melbourne, and yeah, and that's basically true. Golf courses, by their nature, uh, do more for the climate emergency than your average park.
1: You know what? One of the most instructive things is is just to look at Google Maps at any metropolitan area. Mm. Just scan across the Google Maps and your eye is drawn to these big green areas, which are in, invariably, when you zoom in, it's a golf course. You do not see, it's very rare to come across any other big green areas. When, when golf courses go away, history tells us, it's right there in Google Maps, history tells us that they eventually get developed. Into of course. housing, And the green bit shrinks into the
0: bare minimum that they can get away with or nothing at all. Not to preempt anything, but how long is it going to be, Bill, before somebody says, this Elstonwick area here is just a disgrace, they (laughs) should develop it. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how well-intentioned the
1: the current administration or the current council were that decided to make that decision – doesn't matter how well current well intentions don't guarantee no. future good intentions,
2: and, and that's what the current councillor who's prosecuting this argument says. But that's that's our guess as well. Like a future council just reverses that, of course, and says, oh, "Well, this park is expensive. We're going to have to pay for it some way. That's right. The best the best way is perhaps to put resident, you know, another residential development on there." And that's the question we're asking: is if you've got a really like you just pull a couple of levers and get that community hub thriving and, uh, you know, community planting days, and, you know, potentially first Sunday of the month, you know, uh, close half of the eighth hole and have an open day where people could come and picnic. These sorts of things, you know, much more community facing, but what's it doing? It's even without the love that it needs, it's already ticking over at what we would judge if the management contract was set properly. There's no question that Northcote, public golf course is not a liability to the Darabin Council at the moment. Oh, no. They're probably writing them a cheque every month.
0: We know more parkers to the tune of about $3 million a year. Yes. C- contributes yes. back to the state and, and local government about $3 million a year, and that's with all the constraints. that are in. And, and as you say, that's without really exploring the business potential. You've got all sorts of things you can do with the space, aside from just golf and other, uh, other yep. community stuff. You touched on it earlier, but I did want to make this point, Bill, about who – loses when public golf goes away. And you put it in context of other sports, the reality of a football field and a netball court and a tennis court mm-hmm. is that it's used by, in the case of football, predominantly males between the ages of, say, seven or eight and mid-30s, and that's it. Outside of those years, you're probably not playing a whole lot of footy for a very small amount of time. Women and elderly people, uh, these are the these are the people for whom golf, golf becomes – so important a a golfer plays golf for life and the facility gets used for the life of the player economically and just in terms of morally it makes sense for governments to back golf as a recreation at least as much as other sports i don't pretend that golf's more important than other sports but it's not less important either and we forget that when we talk about who uses public golf
2: yeah i think you know this is what's happened I, i i've used the term demonized because it's useful for someone who's wanting to turn it into a park to mischaracterize the people who play public golf really use the- now 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 we we are saying we need to do a better job and yes. i think i think you alluded to this at the start rod that i think you know, we're grateful to Golf Australia, and I would like to clarify: we're being criticised that Big Golf is helping us. We're a local group of community residents, What's and big I went. To, I went. <laughs> to no Big Golf? What is Big Golf? Oh, is Callaway? Oh, that's what. That's <laughs> that's one of their strap lines at the moment, and that's fine. Like we, I respect people that get into the public debate. I don't think it's been useful to throw grenades over the Facebook, you know, fences and that kind of stuff. But I went to David Galicchio. Um, uh, and reached out to him. Golf Australia participation manager. Golf Australia. I went to Golf Australia and then a little group of ours went to them and made a presentation. And I think what they see in us is the template for, and you, you said this, like we've had to fight this battle because we discovered it was an issue. And 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 we would be saying, and I and I think James Sutherland and others at Golf Australia say they need to tell their story better. We do. and and they're a little bit later to the party on say like, like whilst at the elite level we've got Minji Lee and and Carrie Webb, who's a, you know probably Australia's greatest ever golfer, um, you know they're at, at the top echelon. Uh, if you, if you take away public golf, then the access and the increased access for girls and women would be. Um, you know, like that's stopped because most people don't start on a private course. No,
0: common sense tells you that. And that, that is the game's biggest issue. We've been banging on about it here for years is that yep. golf's own image is terrible and golf does nothing to correct it or doesn't do anywhere near enough. And, and you're right and applaud Golf Australia for getting involved at Northcote. That's an interesting idea that big golf somehow is – Golf Australia is seen as big oh. golf from outside the game. That's an intriguing proposition. But it is actually their role, far more so. Than promoting then developing golf. Kari Webb, yep. and Minji Lee, yep. and Min That's in, in all fact, wonderful. The but the, the
1: s- development they put into you know Kari Webb, Minji Lee, Hannah Green, that stuff should be it's part of the marketing budget yes, of Golf Australia to get other people into exactly. grassroots golf. That's right. Um, and and that's yeah that's the whole point of that. And I, it's easy to lose sight of that that um you know that those those figureheads are, uh you know get support from Golf Australia so that yeah you know, they can raise
0: the awareness of golf exactly they're not unimportant no. but it's not it shouldn't be the main focus of a body like golf Australia. this is really sort of interesting to see what's your it's probably a silly question in some ways, but what's your gut feel? How do you sort of see this playing out? I think those of us in golf are sometimes surprised by the animosity that some outside of golf hold towards the game for no obvious reason, but uh what's your sort of What's well, your sense of of the community feel and attitude, and what might happen with Northcote? It's really quite important for potentially for public. It's not like it's going to be our last chance, but my goodness, it could advance us a long way on this side of the fence to what we might
2: make sure. it look like. Well, I'm I'm not on Facebook uh, just for mental health reasons, which <laughs> is, is, it actually means I've been able to get a few things done through this campaign. But people in our group have said, interestingly, the you know the councillor who has run with this as an election issue. And has been careful in the media about saying, I haven't formed a view. Um, even though yesterday one of his colleagues in state parliament actually congratulated him and the, the Greens councillors for um, the campaign that they've made to repurpose the environment into a park. Uh, and and at this stage, councillors are not meant to have formed a view because there's community consultation still going on. But interestingly, he announced that the consultation. Was commencing and did a picture of, um, I think might have had you know pictures of picnickers or or what have you there, um, on on his Facebook page and it ran really interestingly because on on the person who perhaps has been the one who raised this as a possibility, uh, about maybe ten people wrote supportive comments and then. Uh, perhaps 40 just said, oh, please leave it alone or something to that effect. And then when you look at the socials in, say, the Darabin Residents Users Group or um, those sorts of um, fairly popular Facebook pages locally, um, if you look at the socials, you can see that the, the big battle that we won last year was to just simply say, do you get the difference between a private and a public yeah. course? And then locally people have sort of said, hang on, you're kicking the golfers off who enjoy this space They're putting up a vision that looks interesting. I'd love to be able to go down and have a drink there with city views. They're thinking about how they can include the community more, whereas the other groups are really, um, they're using an argument to sort of say, oh, get golfers off. And there is a hatred for golf. Yes, there is. There is a hatred for golf out there. And last year, uh, this did annoy me a little bit because- I've got a couple of Malcolm Gladwell books on my shelf, and I've discovered that he hates golf. Hates it with yeah. a passion. Yeah, yeah. hates That's it a very with a passion. Like He's done his podcasts, specific thing about you, that, you know. Yeah. yeah, and so it was interesting with the journalists who were sort of like there was a classic day in the in the Age one day where the journalist actually wrote the news story and then the opinion piece, right? And said he played golf until he was thirty, but then he saw the light. You know, so I, I don't know how you can have your cake and eat it too. But, you know, quoted Malcolm Gladwell, and the interesting thing is one of the people who appears in our eight-page pamphlet is a woman named Faye. Um, she's from a Maori background. She used to live on the golf course as a caretaker, and it's always amused me that we're not sure whether she's played 3,000 games or 5,000 games, but if it is at the higher end, 5,000 games times two hours is 10,000 hours, which is attributed to Malcolm Gladwell as the way you would develop expertise. <laughs> Lovely. And, and, but these journalists just kept quoting Malcolm Gladwell, who's a New York best-selling writer who hates golf courses. I don't see how that's a reason. Oh, Malcolm Gladwell, he wouldn't even know about Northgate. You know, maybe they'll, they'll go and get him now to make a statement, but it's like, hey, this is our local community. Well, look, and look, the locals are saying... Let the golfers stay there. They've come up with a vision to be more community-facing. They're going to improve the environment. And the other people who are prosecuting a park are not telling us how Darabin Council are going to pay for that park. We reckon it will be at least $30 bucks of ratepayers' money. I don't think ratepayers who maybe don't care about the issue might actually care about their hip pocket.
1: What do, what do councils do anyway? Just pick pick up my garbage, <laughs> leaving
2: it, leaving us all well, don't, it Don't get on yeah, the garbage. That's that. a big issue locally but as
1: well. We, we just voted on local council here, and I'm now in Clovermore's electorate uh, or council yeah. area, and uh, so I managed to vote against Clover Moore, who's anti golf. Otherwise, I probably would
0: agree with. As I said the Venn diagram's got a huge overlap. It does. There's this one but glaring. She's anti-golf. She is anti golf. Exactly right. She's okay. not looking at it as a as a legitimate issue. And I did write this myself, Bill, a couple of times. Spare a thought if you're campaigning against the golf course. Spare a thought for those who are employed to look after it, the greenkeepers, whose livelihood is at stake here. And just have a little bit of respect that what you're really asking for, in part, is to put a bunch of people out of work. Uh, and that's kind of a bunch of people who've done who have no part in the debate, it's just their job. And for those who will say, well, then they can look after the park, you've fundamentally misunderstood what a greenkeeper is, which is a highly professional industry of people who are very specialised, and to suggest to them that they should go and mow the park and that that's somehow equivalent to the skills they've developed in looking after a golf course is disgraceful. So spare a thought for those if you're on the side that says mm-hmm. get rid of the golf course.
2: Yeah.
0: you know that's a, There's a real lack yeah. of respect uh, about that. Well, Bill, we can only wish you the best of luck. We, obviously, we support you – know, I'm a journalist. I'm not supposed to take sides, but I've already said a few times there's a couple of issues. <laughs> I'll pin my colours up. This is one because I do think it's important. If you are a member of a private golf club listening to this show and you think this has no impact on you, consider what a funnel looks like. Public golf is the top. And this is a really interesting thing that Sandy Jamison, who's been on the show before, does. Go into any presentation at a private golf club on a Saturday afternoon and ask everybody who first who played their first game of golf at a public course to stand up. Yep. There are not going to be a lot of people left sitting down. And that tells you where golfers come from.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey, we did that exercise the other night at our community meeting. Yeah. And you know, very few people sat down.
0: I've never uh, met anybody who said, well, I was thinking, I saw golf on the TV, I thought, I wouldn't mind having a go at that. So I went and joined Royal Melbourne and I bought a set <laughs> of $5,000 golf clubs and I had a crack. I didn't like it in the end. So it's just not how yeah. it works, Bill. You know,
2: can I can I just let people know about um, yes. the current campaign? So yes. so we're we're recording this on Wednesday uh, prior to the close of the survey that is um, out with Darabin Council at the moment. And anyone in Australia can fill it out. I think they're going to grade things based on postcodes, but a contribution from someone who cares about this issue and if you care about public golf and and would like to actually see what, like whilst um, I, we've really tried to be disciplined and positive in this and so whilst we know that in this thing we naturally have opponents, um, I, I would say there people that might come with us and one day be sitting with us in the hub and going gee, I'm glad that you you know that this one thing this thing won through because this is better. Um, and so the, to, to fill out the survey, we'd ask you to go to saveNorthcoteGolfCourse.org. And that's a, that's a gateway that we've created to be able to go through to the survey. Uh, the questions are a little bit skewed. And so um, we just give some examples about how to navigate through some, answering those. But there's one at the end where it, it says, is there anything else you'd like to say? And I just simply ask people to say I support the vision of the Northcote Community and Golf North Hub, Hub. Mm-hmm. The, the and because that's, it's in the public knowledge now, and um, and we're, we're really asking Darabin City Council officers to recognise that this has been a hardworking local campaign. Yes, we've gone to Golf Australia for help, but I am a local resident. A woman wrote to me the other day saying you're a paid actor I live in West Preston. I've lived in I've lived in Preston for 26 years. There's such a thing? And a paid. It's in the pocket of big
0: That's Right. That's exactly right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. 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 There's there's some uh, like you know. So, but anyway, that and look, it's fine. I mean, I I I hold um, respect for anyone who enters um, into trying to improve um, public life uh, and, in good and faith. In good faith is the key, Bill. A paid actor would have
1: better microphone technique as well.
2: (laughs) No, so, you know, no worries. But, I mean, save NorthcoteGolfCourse.org and please just say that you support the vision of the hub. We're saying to folk who want to turn it into a park, Show us your vision yeah, and tell right. us how you're going to pay for that's it. That's exactly right. Tell us how you're going to get there. If it's
0: anything like the survey that
2: uh, the Sydney City
0: Council ran up here uh, over the heavily more heavily skewed, oh, it was leading it was questions. Just awful. Just awful. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know yeah. things like, um, you know, do do you want to have more parks? Well, yes. Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. You know, that that's but that's not the question. It's just really misleading and just devious and. Unpalatable sort of practice, and uh, uh, Matthew Goggin who said it to me. You can only deal with people who are arguing in good faith, and there's a lot of people on both sides who are not arguing in good faith. That goes for some golfers too.
2: Uh, but that's- oh, we're just asking for a fair fight, Absolutely. and we we do feel like the dice is loaded. But uh, it's been really interesting watching the process. Ten thousand surveys have been submitted so far, wow. and I and I and I suspect that some of them are running very much in our favour, yeah. and and I, I suspect that the folk who set this up. Didn't expect that there'd be such a comprehensive, organised, passionate group of local residences who want to come up with a win for the community, a win for the environment, a win for the ratepayer, and a win for the for the public golfer. Yeah, Yeah. an example of how description public golfer.
1: Yeah, an example of how public golf can be less defensive in the future as well. Yeah, fortify, fortify itself. Public golf courses are exposed to this always because councils don't know how to manage them and they don't let's, know what they don't know what the asset is that they've got. No. Private golf courses don't have this problem because nobody bothers with them. Like it's over the fence; they can't even see in. It's not even All a right, question look, of attacking a private golf right, course.
0: They're, they're, they're private. Bill, uh, look, best luck with it. Send me that link. I oh, will put that in the show notes. Definitely. I do urge people to go and, uh, and, and have their say. If, if you have any interest in golf at all, it doesn't matter that you might live on the other side of the country, this is important to all of us who have an interest in the game and having the game be a part of the future. It's really, really, really important stuff. And no pressure, Bill, but if you get this right, it'll be fantastic. And if you don't, well, my friend... We'll have to pillory you here on the podcast. I <laughs> Well,
2: I, I can promise you that uh, every waking hour, I, yeah. uh, my wife keeps saying to me, is this your first job or your second job?
0: <laughs> you <laughs> haven't got time for a job, Bill. This is far too important for you to be taking time uh, off to work.
2: I no, can only imagine um, the hours you're putting in. And you've just got and, a- and the others in the community. And, 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 the- and, you know, kudos to the folk who are trying to give a reasonable argument on the other side. But we'd, yes. we'd also say put a bit of meat on the bone and, in your and- vision as well. And there's a lot of common ground as well.
0: So, well, this is the, this, yeah. we forget this, don't we? Let, let's have a look at what we share here. The Venn diagram is always such a good thing. And there's only these little bits on the outside. Most of the things we would agree with each other about. And so find those and work out from there. And I feel like that's what you're doing. I'm so pleased to see
2: that this is not a combative campaign. Oh, treat people with respect. Yeah. And, and that's all we ask. So we might hold a different view to folk. But, you know, in the sort of contest of ideas in the community space um, – Please, please respect the fact that uh, locals have worked hard, people who are residents of Darabin or on the other side of the creek in Coburg and Brunswick. Um, we've worked really, really hard to come up with a vision that we think in the end, uh, in fairness, our um, supposed opponents you know, who are reasonable might say, gee, this was actually the best idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. and if it's not, then here is an idea that's better. But let's have a look at the idea that's better. We bad. keep saying not to just them, that. "Show us your vision. Show Argu- us your vision." Arguing on a negative is uh, is not. Yeah, should should hopefully not win too many people. Bill, fantastic to talk to you. you better get back to uh, saving Mate. Great to uh, have you on board today, and I'm sure it might be the last time we speak to you. Really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Oh, no worries, Rod and Adrian. Thanks a lot for uh, the time. Literally the least we could do
0: Mm -hmm. I think And I'm always up for the least I can do And now we've done it Mm -hmm. Good to have you aboard as well today Thanks, Rob Episode 96 We're creeping towards 100 slowly We've been a bit sporadic with the episodes lately Apologies for that I've just been flat out with all sorts of stuff So I I take most of the responsibility (laughs) for that (laughs) Uh, Episode 96 in the books We'll be back with episode 97 At some point before Christmas, I suspect Here on the Good Good Golf Podcast